The Center for Thinking Biblically is a ministry of the Masters University. Visit thinkbiblically.org for more information. Thinking biblically about people or thinking biblically about the heart, that's the theme of my lectures. It's getting it right. It's understanding people the way that God understands them and the way that God has revealed them to be within his word. So when we talk about the heart, remember that the heart is the control center of all that you do. It's that hub. It's the seat of your immaterial person. So I want to talk through a little bit of the functions as the Bible describes them. So I hope that you still have your Bible. So would you grab it, open up, let's go to Psalm 20. When we think of the functions of the heart, the Bible articulates what your heart does. Now remember, Valentine's Day teaches us one aspect, and we would think love. If I were to say, what does your heart represent? You might say love, Greg. It represents love. Yeah, I mean, in part it does. But I hope to show you what else the Bible communicates your heart does. For instance, Psalm 20. If you're in Psalm 20, let's look at verse 4. Speaking of the Lord in verse 1, may he answer you, may he send help, may he remember all of your offerings, may he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all of your plans. That's a significant blessing of the Lord, is it not, that your desires would be granted to you. Go to one more psalm with me. Go to Psalm 37. When you think of the blessing of having your desires granted to you, immediately you go to the desires granted to you part. But perhaps you fail to observe or skim through this aspect of, well, your heart has desires. But that's important to hear. Your heart has desires. And now we could talk about what it desires, ultimately what you're wanting, but yet we have to start with this function of, yeah, you have a heart that does desire. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You read that at times, and maybe you're like me, and you go, oh, jackpot, Ferrari, let's go. Thank you, Lord. But I want to show you that you have desires in your heart, that your heart is a desiring heart. That's a fascinating concept, is it not? What do you want? What do you really, really want? When I begin to ask individuals that question in counseling, you know, it's surprising to hear. It's not surprising in the sense of I'm hearing someone say, I, I actually want to be a bank robber, Greg. That's my life's aspirations. Oh, okay. No, it's, it's typically things like, I just want to be thanked. I want to be appreciated. I want respect. I want a companion. Wow. That's surprising because you think to yourself, well, that's not necessarily bad, is it? No, it's not. You see, the Bible doesn't condemn having desires. In fact, it commends it. 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, if any man has the desire to be an overseer, that's a noble thing, that you are commended for having those desires. You see, your heart is that hub of, that control center of desires, and the Bible does not condemn having desires. In fact, the Bible is going to say, cultivate those desires for righteousness and holiness. Cultivate it for Christ. Desire Christ, ultimately. But when we begin to say, well, what do you want? We're getting at the heart. Look at another one with me. Go to Matthew 12. Matthew 12 is often surprising to us 
In the context here, you're going to see that Jesus is talking about the significance, and I would even say the great significance of your words. The great significance of your words, because remember, in the latter part of verses 31 to 32, we're talking about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and what that means. But that entails your words. Immediately in that transition, Jesus says in verse 33, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's a, a huge statement about your words, that at the very end you will be justified or condemned by your words. It's like, whoa, hey, Jesus, come on, like I was sleepy. Haven't you ever been sleepy? You didn't have coffee? Like you don't know that sensation? I need coffee before I talk to people in the morning. Jesus says that you're going to give an account for every word that you say, even careless words. Think of your careless words for a moment. Mine are in the privacy of family and friends where I just, I just trust them. What do I say in that moment? What do I say as I'm just nestling into bed, saying goodnight to my wife? What, what is it that I'm willing to say in that moment? That's a careless word. And I'm going to give an account even for that careless word. Well, why does that careless word make such a difference? Doesn't that seem a bit particular or we're being overly scrupulous here? Well, it matters because verse 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What your words represent is what's going on in your heart. Let me say it another way. If I could take the temperature of your heart, I would do that with your words because your words are gonna show me and show us what's happening within your heart. The functions of your heart, what you're wanting. In a very real sense, if you wanted to know what I was thinking, truly thinking and wanting, the function of my heart, just give me very little sleep for a couple of days. Don't let me eat, worse yet, make me eat salads. Mm. Then what takes place is, when you hear me speak, you're going to hear what's really going on within Greg's heart. That's the way that Jesus speaks of your heart here. So it makes perfect sense that you're going to give an account for careless words because those careless words aren't just about careless words. Do you see? Those careless words are about your heart and what's going on in your heart. They're oozing over from your heart. I've described it like this to students. I've said, you know, it's like having a clean, pure glass of water in your hand. That that clean, pure glass of water, as you're holding it and someone bumps into you, you accidentally slosh over. Well, what comes out is clean, pure water. Well, that's what was in the glass. Your words are like that, that if your heart is pure, your heart is clean, when your words come out, guess what? They're clean, they're pure as well. But if you're your words are filthy or gross or maybe contaminated. It's not a word issue only. It's really a bigger issue of what's going on in your heart. 
what's happening in your heart. Because as Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So remember, I already mentioned Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 is the passage that says, out of the heart come the issues of life. It's a spring in California. We don't have a lot of springs, just to be candid. But when you see a spring, you do recognize that that's the source. That's the reason why. That's where all of these tributaries are coming from. It's coming from that main head. It's coming from the spring. And when, when it's written in the Proverbs that out of your heart come those issues, comes everything, you recognize that even your actions are an overflow of what's taking place in your heart. That your heart and your actions have this correlation. So it's not just your words, it's not just your desires, but why are you acting the way that you're acting? The Bible would say, well, it's an overflow of your heart. These might be surprising to you. Go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis 6, you're going to see that Moses here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, captures the depravity of mankind. And as he's capturing this depravity, there's something that you and I might reword if we were to write it. You see, if, if I were to talk about my thoughts and what I'm thinking, I would most likely go to my mind and I'd say, hey, Moses, let's use mind here. Maybe I'll use brain. We'll talk about mind brain. But when the Bible speaks about the center of your thought life, your cognition, guess where it places it? Hopefully you guessed right that it's your immaterial heart. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his mind. Wait, hold on. Doesn't say mind, does it? That the intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Why is it so grievous to have thoughts of the heart? Well, it's not that you have a thinking heart that's grievous. It's the types of thoughts that are grievous here, that every intention is evil continually. But in that statement, what you see is that thoughts are an overflow of your heart. What do you daydream about? Seriously, what do you daydream about? In modern culture, I could say, what's on your saved for later list with an Amazon? You know that list that you don't want to drop the money on it right now, but you'd really like to have it? That list, that's what you daydream about. What do you, what do you get lost thinking about? Well, in that process of getting lost thinking about something, you're, you're showing us, you're demonstrating that that's reflective of what's going on in your heart. That those thoughts aren't disconnected from your heart, but those thoughts are an overflow of your heart. Why do you think the things that you think? Well, biblically speaking, those thoughts come from your heart. The great tragedy here that causes a worldwide flood is that the thoughts and the intentions of the heart of man were evil. So if the heart is evil, and if actions come from the heart, then no doubt that this was a corrupt society in which Noah was living. So I've said thoughts, I've said desires, I've said actions. I want to show you the last one. 
You can turn there if you like. Let me just describe it for you as you do. Theologians would also speak of your volition as being part of your heart. What are you choosing to do? What are you deciding upon? And when you're choosing something and you're deciding upon it, then what that does is it reveals what's taking place in your heart. So there are times in scripture where you see setting your heart intently upon something. That's Ezra, he sets his heart upon the law. You're gonna see that Joshua tells the children of Israel, he reminds them that you need to follow the Lord, you need to choose who you will serve. This idea of choice, it's, it's centered in our inner man, our heart. Why do you make the choices that you make, to say it another way? Well, it's because of what's happening in your heart. Why did you choose that thing? Well, it's because of what was taking place in your heart, because your heart is that control center for your choices, your thoughts, your volitions, your desires, your actions, words, loves. It's that control center for who you are. So if I'm gonna get this right biblically, and I'm gonna say, well, why do I want the things that I want? I gotta talk about the heart. Why am I struggling with those thoughts? Why do those keep percolating on the replay reel of my mind? I have to talk about the heart. Why do I do the things that I do? It's conflicting at times. When I answer the question to any of those, why do I think what I think, say what I say, do what I do, want what I want, I'm getting at the heart. So think of this fundamental problem now. What if now I get the diagnosis wrong? What's that gonna do to my prognosis? If I get the diagnosis wrong, how am I going to respond to that? If I say, well, I, I think the way that I think because of my upbringing, that's gonna change a lot. And we'll talk about that when we get to the implications of this. But for now, I want you to see the importance of getting it right biblically and biblically, your heart is the center of your desires, your words, your actions, your loves, your volition, your cognition. Thank you for listening to the Center for Thinking Biblically podcast. To help support this ministry, please visit thinkbiblically.org forward slash donate. To learn more about the Masters University on campus and online undergraduate and graduate programs, visit masters.edu.